Hey, fabulous listeners. We're your international besties, Allie and Jordan. Join us each week to hear our musings and see why we're pretty sure never clueless. Hello, Allie. Welcome back to episode... I was about to say 14. It's episode 16, so yay us. Crazy. Welcome back. It's exciting to just see how many are piling up, man. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. It's exciting. Also, we're back with our first like normal format episode of 2024. Yeah. I feel like our catch up is going to be fun, I feel like, because we were together for a big chunk of it. Actually, like not, I feel like this month, not that much has happened just because it's January and I feel like this is a weird month. Yeah. Do you want to start? Sure. Uh, <laughs> well, if you would have listened to last week's episode, you would have heard I went through uh, a, an emotional proper breakup um, over the holiday. Round two. Round two. Yeah. Hopefully no round three. We only want successful relationships moving forward. So, you know, only positive vibe. Yep. Yeah, so I guess since we last spoke, we've been home. We were home for the holidays for a couple weeks. Yes, we were together. Together in LA. We did actually quite a bit together. I know, so cute. I know. What did we what were like our notables? Well, we we finally like really worked on our on the podcast and like planning, which is really fun. We went to Meals with Friends. Meals with Friends is that like a, a an organization for charity? I mean, I don't think it was. Because we were not giving to the charity at those meals, so... No, we were giving to our bellies. That's true, yeah. We, yeah, we, we had a couple meals with, like, good old friends. Our adolescents. Oh, cute. I have a topic later that picks up on this. But... And then we went ice skating. Yeah, that was so fun. I feel like almost nostalgic. Nostalgic energy around our holiday, like our time home. You know, childhood things that you do. Yeah, it was super cute. We did a gingerbread making contest. Yeah, my friend, my friend, <laughs> uh, my good friend had this like girls night and she had a bunch of people over. And so we had to like make gingerbread contests and me and Allie have the funniest one. It took us so long to do. I loved it. I know. Ours was like on route to be the best one, but we just did not have good time management skills. No. But we didn't come last. That was our downfall. That was the, that was the no. key point. We didn't come last. And we have photos to show you. And then I guess what else? We we had a New Year's together. We had like my sister threw a house party with a very eclectic group. Randomest party of my life. Yeah. What do you like? What's your What were your thoughts about it? Tell me. There was a lot to take in. It was fun. I love analyzing people. That was like a great party to people watch. Yeah. That's my takeaway. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of information. Remember that? What happened with that girl who got bit by the dog? Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, a girl got bit by a dog. Yeah, that was just, it was a lot. Oh, the drama. Oh my gosh, that was a dramatic. But I didn't feel any drama because I wasn't in any of it. I was just like sitting and observing. Yeah. And I was really tired going into New Year's Eve. But like for somehow we just stayed up until like three in the morning, right? Yeah. Four in the morning? Yeah. I was like, wow, I did not think I had it in me. Yeah, honestly, I had very little hopes for this party. Right, me too. My sister at one point like scaled back and was like, okay, just so you know, it's probably going to be a kickback. And I had like fully found like a gown to wear. I was like, I'm going to just dress up so nice because I want to go into the new year looking and feeling how I hope my year turns out. Nice. Yeah. And then I actually feel like it was fun, but like just so many unique characters. <laughs> That's all we can say. That's the only way I can describe it. Yep. So yeah, so we had like an amazing time. And the next day was actually so cute. We woke up and we got like your grubby McDonald's, which was so good. Hangover food. And delicious coffee. Oh, yes. Such good coffee. My sister lives kind of near this area called Highland Park. And that was just the cutest street with like all these really good coffee shops. So we got some banging. Yeah. That's the kind of LA that I love. I know. It is the LA. It's like the, you're like a native LA. Yeah. Cool Cool vibes. vibes. Yeah. It's like almost hipster, but not quite. Just feels cool. Like it feels like non-pretentious, not trying too hard, just chilling. Like you're just like. That's LA. Out in the in the morning, having a coffee outside, like there's really cool little patios and stuff. It's nice. Love it. But yeah, we we like ended up finding yeah this really cool spot, which was this coffee shop, and it was right along the LA River. LA River. Yeah, it was so cute. Everyone was like sitting along this LA River, just having coffees like in the sun on the first of January. Like someone's just like off journaling. There's like a river like the river is actually rivering slightly because of the rain 
So it was just, it was beautiful. That was so nice. How like how you just say like, there's like this river. It is the LA river. It is the LA river. Yeah, but it's usually like the LA river is, I just did quote unquote, because yeah. I feel like it's like not usually there. Usually it's like dry. If you've never been to LA, there's these things we call washes, but technically they're like little caverns for the river to flow. But the river don't flow usually. The river was flowing. It was cute. So cute. Well, yeah. So that was really nice. And I didn't know what was coming for me, aka the breakup, because I had a good couple days until that. Yeah. But we ended our time out just like seeing friends. We met our, our guy friend's baby for the first time, which was so cute. So yeah, um, besides that, now I'm back in London. It's obviously been ups and downs. It's been really nice, actually, to be back. I've been lucking out with the weather just because it's been cold, but like very sunny, blue skies. So it just makes going through something hard much better. And I feel like I'm just mentally slowly, 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 but surely kind of really getting on the same on like a right frame of mind. I'm feeling ambitious. I'm feeling hungry. I'm really excited for this year. So, yeah, that is me. Yes. And apart from that, we have also hit 300 downloads which is super exciting yeah it's a small milestone but a big one at the same time for us yeah you guys who are listening i don't know when you're gonna listen but at one point we only recently started like marketing very barely even i feel like we're doing such we're doing like baby steps for kind of showing our podcast i think 300 is a really good achievement and it's been for the most part organic and that's exciting so yes but what about you? Tell me, I know I know we've done some combo stuff, but what else have you been up to since you've been back or anything? Honestly, not too much. Like, I'm the same as you, just feeling positive about this year. Been getting things in order since I've been back. January is a weird month. Like, it just feels, like, to me, it always feels like, like, I know this is a cliche, but they always say January is the Monday of the year. And it feels like that to me. See, I've like, never okay, heard that. Like, it just drags. Like, you feel like, okay, you're looking towards the rest of the week. Yeah. For me, it's like a setup month. That's how I feel right now. Just getting my ducks in a row so that come February, I can hit the ground running. Nice. Yeah, if you want, we can get straight into this week's episode. Let's get into it. Wait, there was actually something really interesting that you said. You said this is month one of the rest of the year. It just made me think of something. I'm going to talk about a couple things mm-hmm. that I have been listening to lately that were just like getting me thinking, but I guess I'll start with one of the points. So the other day, this weekend, I was going to meet a friend for breakfast and I was just like looking on Spotify. I have been told a lot about this guy, sort of, I would say, self-help, spiritual kind of guru dude. When I say his name, you all will know him. You'll be familiar. But this guy named Eckhart Tolle. For a while now, my sister, family, friends have been telling me, oh, you have to listen to this book called The Power of Now. So it's this whole kind of guide to spiritual enlightenment. I guess for premium users, it's free. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't even have to buy the book right now. And I can just play it. And I was like, this is this might be like a nice way to listen to this whilst I'm just on my, you know, bus journey to see my friend. And so I started listening to it. And there were so many amazing things, obviously. And if you've read it, you will know. But one of the things you just mentioned about time, actually, and how like time drags on. One of his main theories and one of the things he discusses is all around how like time is a is such a construct which i'm sure people have said before like oh time doesn't exist mm-hmm. but in in his book he really talks about like you need to stop thinking about time because we use time almost like the way that our thoughts when we overthink control us time is fine when we need to use it like when you have a deadline and you like literally have to use it for very practical reasons but for the most part by not prescribing to time and feeling that pressure of time you open up what's possible and I was just thinking about because as you were speaking and you said like month one I was like okay wow like that's only 11 more months and 11 Mm -hmm. when you think about it's like such a small number and each year it's like whoa why does it feel like the year goes by it's because like you only have 12 months in a year like that's not a big number parents they experience this feeling when their kids grow older like whoa from like zero to 18 like it seems like such a long time but the years go by so fast and they're always like oh you only have like 16 more summers with your kid before they like leave the house oh that is so depressing i know right (laughs) my friend's baby just turned one and i was like she just brought this up and i was like oh 
you only have 17 more summers. She was like, yeah, well, I mean, I hope I have more. I was like, yes, but before they become like their own person and independent. And that's what's crazy is like, it's really not a lot of time. But if we put that cover of time on, we're always like, oh, but we have to do this thing because time. We have to like make this move because time. We have to be in this place because time. And actually, if we removed those like shackles of time, Mm -hmm. what could time be to us? The way that maybe we do things, the way maybe we're bold, maybe we're gentler at times. Like who knows what we could, I don't know, uncover with time. I just thought that was interesting. So that's like side note. I don't know what you think about that. I feel like that could be so deep just because I feel like it is a construct if you think about it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like how we know time now is probably because of capitalism and like making us more productive. Yeah. Yes, it is a construct. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Like, again, I think about our tart, like our goals, right? Like we want to Mm -hmm. really start finding success. But if you think about, oh, 11 more months, it's like, oh, wait, there's not that much time in the year. Mm -hmm. But if you if you don't think about time and you just focus on what this book is about, the power of now and being present, then you're not concerned about like that future point and you make the most of whatever moment you're in. Yeah. That that might like get you further. What is he bringing the power of now back to is it like back to happiness or back to like to like what is the point of his book being present but like what does presence bring you like what is the point of being present is what i mean sort of like a conscious state of almost neutrality yes you're happy but it's like you aren't burdened contestant kind of i guess so it's like yeah you're not burdened by worrying about like the future what, what's going to happen all these things that haven't come yet like that don't exist yet Mm-hmm. And you're not stuck in the past. Like so many emotional issues, so many mental issues, anxieties, worry, fear have to do with things from our past or worrying about the future. Yeah, of course. So part of it is like if you're just present in the now and you only accept what is now, you will be a lot lighter. You'll feel a lot freer. Your mind will be free to not worry, to not be fearful, to just be like, okay, this is what it is now and you accept that and then you're like in the next moment so it's like being like positive in a sense yeah it's like sort of having a detached view like you can have an emotion you could be like upset it's not like being void of anything like it's not like oh i'm happy mm-hmm. i'm happy i'm sad it's not like that but it's like you know you can be so happy in the moment if you're in the moment and you're not thinking about like oh i'll be happy in 10 days you know because this thing it's like no what are you what's happening right now Mm-hmm. the kind of core thing is like acceptance acceptance or or changing something yeah a couple of the key things he said was like if you're feeling some disturbance and you're noticing you're feeling and you're feeling disturbed either one get out of that circumstance do something to change it accept it wholeheartedly that that is just what it is for now and i forget the third one it was this reminds me kind of like what i was telling you last year like when you were going through it oh yeah tell me about just like flowing yeah yeah like this right because you're like okay being like neutral and not fighting things it's like yeah just like going with the flow and like not causing extra friction Mm. you know what i mean and not like pulling or like chasing or anything just like kind of just being and like going with what's happening to you you can only control your emotions in a breakup like you can only control like how you react to what's happening to you right so it's kind of like going with it and not resist it so much where it like pains you you know what i mean i mean that's why it says why we feel pain because we're resisting and not only resisting because i feel like in the past and even now Mm -hmm. when i get really worked up or when i'm crying do you think i'm just in my well yeah i guess maybe sometimes in my moment but when i'm in the moment i'm probably i described this to my roommates the other day it's like this feeling of just stillness there are moments where I have just this utter awareness. My room goes quiet and I'm just in my room. And it's like that extra moment when you're just sitting at the side of your bed. You're just hearing the silence. You're hearing being in your own space. Yeah, it sounds like meditation. Well, yes, but it's not like it's not like I'm feeling happy. I'm I'm like feeling an emotion. Yeah, I know. But meditation is also not happy. Oh, interesting. Well, but it's like the stillness of this just is. Yeah. This is just his time. And it's like, I don't feel anxiety. I'm not thinking in my head. I'm just aware. I'm aware of the sound of my room, my silence, the vibration, just like mm-hmm. the simplicity of it. And that's when I'm actually like most present. Yeah, that's meditation. That really? is literally meditation. Yeah. That's so interesting. Wow. And that's why people are like recently, like there's this whole movement of meditation and like practicing mindfulness because they're the same same thing. Yeah. Meditation is part of mindfulness, which is just like being of like not thinking on specific thoughts. 
I don't know. I guess I always think of meditation as like something you have to try to do. No. I guess I'm in my stillness of accepting meditating in some way. Interesting. Wow. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. So there's like there's that. And then there's when I'm feeling like all of a sudden I start to cry. It's because what am I doing? I'm either thinking of the past, thinking of my sadness or worrying about the future. It's it's one or the other. It's never like maybe if I think about my circumstance, it's like, oh, like, what am I? Where am I at right now? Oh, so sad me. But it's because it's like me worrying about future me being like, oh, my gosh, what if I don't find someone? What if I never get to have children? What if I and? like being maybe nervous about the future, like nervous to like step forward and like step into something, accept something? Yeah. So it's like always backwards or forwards that causes the pain when you just are. That's when you feel bliss, I feel like. Yeah. Or just like calm. I've been observing myself because a couple months ago when I was really upset this one day, I had my hypnotherapy like right after. And I had cried so much this day. I just felt so overwhelmed. I had been so anxious. I just cried so much and I released it all. And this moment, I just accepted. I think it was like I hadn't spoken to the my ex, basically. And I would think I was waiting to hear from him. And I had just decided, you know what? I'm accepting that maybe I'm not going to hear from him or maybe I'm not going to get what I want. Mm-hmm. I almost like not give up. I just accepted. And I remember sitting waiting for my hypnotherapist to get on the call. And I just remember feeling so still. And I remember observing like, whoa, I don't feel any like crazy emotion. I'm not thinking. And I'm just in my body. It was that same feeling. It was like, whoa, this feels good. <laughs> like it was almost like when you take like, I don't know, when you smoke weed or something and <laughs> you're like so calm. My whole body had just given up the, oh, well, how can I control this? And it was just like, nope. <laughs> this just is. This reminds me of also the book Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty because he also talked about this like reaching this it's just kind of it is consciousness or like maybe it's unconsciousness now I can't remember the word he uses but yeah he like talks about these moments as well of like being still like finding like feeling like gratitude and just being like very present but yeah you should also read that book it's so good. Yeah I will. I, I, I like Jay Shetty I feel like I've seen him on Instagram and stuff so I'd like to yeah he's like very positive you should listen to the audible because the audible is him reading his own book and his voice is so cute like i just like how he reads his own what he wrote you know also he's an attachment style so i relate to him so i feel like when i hear him i can just be like okay i get you and you get me so it's fine i didn't know that about him just over the past year i've seen a lot of like relationship stuff and him and his partner his wife they talk a lot about attachment styles and she's the avoidant and so they talk a lot about that dynamic and how he's had to oh. force her to be the one to like really try to talk stuff out, how they manage it and how they sort of like compromise in a way to to both kind of serve each other's needs. That's so weird. Why is that weird? That they got married because most times it never like amounts to like an actual healthy relationship. That is not true. Well, all the things I've read mind. Everything that I've read from like my mom has passed a lot of stuff on to me around this because like it's like a big thing also with hypnotherapy they like help people work through that and not work through it but like understand stuff and she was like almost always you have one person on one side you always tend to have polarity in the relationship like whatever online is like with anxious and avoidant they find each other but it's never a healthy relationship like it's always got this weird unhealthy dynamic which like is never stable or and it's like very toxic it leads to toxic relationship and so normally one person is anxious and the other one is stable or one is avoidant and another person's stable. So what my mom was telling me, I, I don't know completely if that's not true or false. Mm-hmm. Most people are on different sides. She was like, one has to come down a little and the other has to come up a bit. In order for that, it has to balance more. But you will still have the tendency because it's like a typically it's like a childhood behavior. You can switch roles depending on who your partner is. Yeah. So you could become the secure one. Yeah, definitely. But they just I've just seen that like normally if those two are together, anxious and avoidant, it's just like is a very toxic relationship. Well, I was going to say, well, we have a lot of toxic relationships out here these days. So but like they don't lead in marriage into marriage. Usually that's not true. A lot of them lead into marriage. OK, but that's why there's a lot of divorces. Yeah, that's what I understood from my mom is like it tends to it. They do tend to partner up with people like that. But she was like, that's why a lot of people go to therapy. That's like, that's why there's a lot of issues because no, true. usually they're on such opposite spectrums. So like you have to learn how to like come down or up depending on where you are. And obviously some people like 
skew far to the, you know, anxious, skew far to the avoidant. Some are sort of like in the middle. So it's like how they're willing to understand each other mm-hmm. and like what the triggers are to then come together. And so that's what Jay Shetty and his wife talk about is like how over time they really had to like cultivate it to make it work. But they seem like such a cute couple. So interesting. I feel like they have made it work. Cute. Um, well, should I finish on the the main topic that I was going to talk about, I guess? Yeah. So basically in this book, there was this just one part that I thought was really it like it struck me. And I think it relates to something I talked about last week in my breakup episode around sort of like the death of yourself and why it's so difficult to like, I don't know, mourn a breakup. What he was talking about in this particular part that I'm going to mention, why we defend mental positions. So it's like that, you know, where someone's like, oh, but I believe this and this is this. And the other's like, well, no, I believe this. So if we identify with a mental position, what happens that we obviously we have an ego. And so if we're wrong, our mind based sense of ourself, which basically makes up our identity, like what our ego thinks we are and who we are and how we think and all these things, what we believe is who we are and our identity. So if we potentially could be wrong in what we think, then there's sort of this like death of a self and this mm-hmm. and and so the ego like can't afford to be wrong in this sense. And so that's why you have people that are just like, nope, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to come off their position because it's like a fear. It's an actual sort of like compulsive need to be right, which he described in the book. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. He's like, it's it's a form of violence in a way to ourselves because it's like, what are you defending? And it's often this sort of interesting illusory idea, like something that's not really real, but we've identified so heavily. <clears throat> and he said this thing and I was like, ooh. So he was like, in the end, it's all like a power game, like ev- like especially in those dynamics, like when people are like really trying to fight for a position, it's like they're fighting for power. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have to like keep looking within myself in moments where I think this rises up. But he was like, power is a weakness that's disguised as strength. True power is within. And I feel like when people, when you like look at, I don't know, men who are super controlling or people who are like super controlling, it's this like illusion that they're feeding themselves, that they're they're the strength, you know, like I have power, so I'm strong. When in truth, and again, it's like exercising your thought, your opinion, your identity on someone when like the true power is in yourself. It's like that quote that like, what is it they say? Like, uh arrogance is loud and confidence is quiet because like people who truly know who they are and like don't need anyone else's approval or don't need to show anything to anyone they'll just they'll be fine because they know themselves so well that they're like i don't need to fight anyone on this i don't need to prove anything to anyone i feel like that the arrogance is like one of the flaws of the ego so they're probably the loud ones you know for sure in this example that you're giving (laughs) no i like that and and i think that is true it's like you know when like men love to say like, oh, I'm I'm a, I'm like the good guy. Yeah. If you were the good guy, you wouldn't say it. You would just be like the guy. You would just be the one do- making the moves. Yeah. Actions speak louder than words. Oh, my gosh, dude. Actions speak louder than words is my new motto for life. I'm just moving in that phase of life. Like, girl, this is what I've been saying for like the past five years, that like every cliche that exists in this world is true, <laughs> yeah. but we just don't resonate with it until later in life. And then you're like, oh my gosh, this thing that my parents have been telling me since I was like 10 years old, I get it now. Like I truly resonate and I understand what they've been telling me. And it's mm. like the same thing. Your parents have probably been telling you actions speak louder than words for your whole life. I feel like I didn't resonate, resonate with it until like maybe five years ago. Honestly, I don't think my parents ever said that to me. Really? Uh, no shade. Oh my but yeah. God, my mom said that to me all the time. Yeah, I don't think my mom's ever said that to me. She started listening to the podcast, so she hears this and then she's like, how dare you? I did tell you. <laughs> Sorry, mom, but I can't remember. But it, I, I truly feel like this hasn't resonated for me until right like now in my life. I don't think it's ever been more true, honestly. Yeah. Talk is cheap. Another cliche. That's true. Well, because you know what usually is like when people talk, I tend to think it's all bullshit anyways. <laughs> so like I am i don't usually believe. Well, then you should have understood it. No, but that's the thing is I never really be- like I never really believed someone truly. And I think I'm kind of in this phase where I'm starting to see like people more and more just like in all areas of my life where people tend to say a lot of stuff like I just hear a lot of chit chat. Yes, it's easy to say things. I know. I know. Ali has been dropping like really good nuggets of insight for me recently and i feel like yay she doesn't know but like i t- always tell like people like little things like ali said this thing and i was like yeah this is really good yeah, I'm oh flattering thank yeah, you you're welcome and so one of them was like 
you said something about like actions and we were talking about actions and how you have to look at like how difficult that action really is to do if you remember this conversation yes yes so basically Ali was like look at like what the actions are like for instance like if someone like texts you and you're like oh my god like they texted me okay cool like see look they're like making effort I think it was actually was about effort it's both I know I know where you're going actions and effort yeah and so she was like nowadays someone texting you like that like level of effort is nothing because everyone's glued to their phone everyone like moves around so someone's not texting you or like if someone texts you it's not like they're going significantly out of their way to do something vice versa like I don't know if they're doing something that you asked but like it's convenient for them so if it's like not really putting them out much and it's sort of like easy for them to do I don't know you might in your head rationalize like oh but they did this thing so like see they care or see they're putting an effort but actually like it wasn't very challenging it's in those moments you have to like see like okay cool do they like come super far to see me every time do they Mm -hmm. you know go out of their way to do this or to do that you know things that are like genuinely the level of difficulty or the level of effort is maybe five steps instead of like one then that tells you if someone's really putting an effort and i was like yo dropping bombs i have another good example of this okay which is the one that i really resonated with is also like Imagine you're dating a guy who's a millionaire and he sends you a car to pick you up and he inside the car there's like seven dozen roses or something like that and you're like oh my god this man spent like four hundred dollars on me on just one night but it's like for him out of his million dollar salary that's nothing. Imagine a guy who's making two thousand a month and he sends you a car because he's like oh I want this girl to feel so special I'm going to use a lot of my resources to make her feel so special because this is and this is a lot for me the effort for the guy who's got the lower salary is obviously a lot higher than the millionaire who's like oh I can just send her a car like this is easier for this is actually making my life easier because I don't have to go and, and find her like she can just come to me so it's just like it's just putting everything into context I guess and seeing how much effort it takes for this person or any in any situation you know and looking at those actions in their context I guess yes I love that yeah that is good. Okay, so ladies out there, because, or ladies or men, it doesn't matter who. Anyone, yeah. You need to be doing your effort audit. Like, assess the relationships in your life. I don't care if it's your friends, your yes. family, your friends too. relationships. Like, honestly, do a little audit of like, okay, how much effort are they actually putting in? Are you, is it skewed? Are you like putting in a ton more effort and the other isn't? Are you happy? Are you unhappy? Like, if you're in like these situations where, you're feeling maybe frustrated or you feel like you're asking for a lot, really assess what you're asking for and see what their like level of effort is. And do like think about these kinds of things like Ali is saying, essentially, and make some action according to it. Yeah, because it's the same as like time. Like if someone has no time, like say it's, I don't know, examples, but a CEO who works 70 hour week and they have almost no free time because they're in meetings. And if they're not in a meeting, they're preparing, they're working on the weekends, but they're like, okay, I'm going to dedicate this one hour that I have free for you. And you're like, oh my God, he only spent one hour with me. But it's like, okay, that's actually the only hour he had free out of his entire week, but he's choosing to spend it with you. So it's like, look at the amount of effort he's putting in and i like that you kind of brought like the good example which is you might actually be maybe not recognizing like someone's effort and you might think like it's not to the standard that you want but actually compared to what they can actually offer what they can give they're actually really being generous with what they have to offer and thus like that actually that might tell you like hey this guy really cares about me because yeah he's 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 giving whatever time he has to me Maybe you have to then be a little bit more aware and like grateful and have gratitude. And I think that's really nice. I like that you said that. Yes. Cute. Look at you bringing the positives. I'm proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So tell me, what have you been thinking about? Okay. This is a complete 180 from what we were just talking about, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to go there. Okay. So I have a comment to make because it's relevant to my life at this moment. Okay. Um, I think it was now several episodes back that we discussed that I am not an adrenaline junkie. Those types of activities are not for me. I get my thrills from quote unquote safe activities. And you'll see why I quote unquoted that word in a second. So the other day I was reading an article, I think it was from last year, maybe even 2022 on Forbes about the most stressful video games. Oh, interesting. And guess which one was number one? Call of Duty? (laughs) Okay, that was on the list, but it wasn't number one. Oh. Number one 
was Mario Kart. Wait, dude, I was uh, in my head right before you were about to say that. I was like, Mario Kart? But why? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, the study measured the average BPM increase in a 30-minute period. Okay. And yeah, Mario Kart came number one. And I think that is... I I knew that was going to be on the list, like, honestly. Because for me, it's such a stressful game. I can't play it. What? And the reason why this is relevant is because the other day I was at my friend's house. I met my friends at like 8 p.m. We were having dinner and then we were playing like board games and stuff. And I think it, it got to be like one or two in the morning and they were like, oh, do you guys want to play Mario Kart now? And I was like, no. For me, that game is so stress inducing. It's just like a game where I just don't feel safe. Whoa. I honestly just feel like too on edge when I play that game. And like I can play it every once in a while, but I just like really need to be in the mindset. <laughs> I am a Sudoku girl. I love a crossword puzzle. I like things that are not being timed. I don't like to feel like a race during my leisure hours. Okay. Well, I was going to say, to be fair, I don't see you as like a gaming girl anyways. I like games, but I liked like Pokemon because that one's like, okay, just explore this world as you go. Like there's no race. Like just you, you have like a, a world to explore. So you were like a Sims girl. Yes. Oh my, oh my God. Sims, Rollercoaster Tycoon. Yeah. Like those words. Like, I found it so boring. That's so no, funny. I love it. It's so relaxing. It's like, okay, just, just <laughs> you can explore this world. Do what you want. It just reminded me of like as a child, I had Frogger. Do you ever play Frogger? Yeah, yeah. I had it like a little handheld one you plugged into the TV. Yes, I hated it. I felt so stressed also. Like I could get past like the first like couple freeways. Ooh, but then I was like, oh my God, this is, this is just too stressful. That has to say something about your personality. Yes, like there I know. has to be like something in that that like someone could read something about you. Please someone diagnose me. Yes, someone like look into what that means about Ali cuz that is there's definitely something like there's a reason why. Oh, I'm like a high stress person so like this has to be do with something with stress. Like I know it does. Interesting. There's got to be something. And I feel like you're a way more chiller person in general than me. You think so? I was just going to ask you if you like you don't get like I feel like you don't feel outside pressures as much as me. Hmm. We're like, okay. I'm like, if I feel pressure from someone else, I'm like, oh, and you're like, oh, whatever, they can wait. You know what I mean? Like in that kind of sense. Sure. Okay. So it has to do with something like this. Like I can filter out the, you know what it is though, Allie? I was just going to say, because I grew up with like three other siblings. Like I had a crazy ass house. You grew up like pretty much as an only child. So it was calm as shit. Like you didn't have to deal with that. I had to deal with yeah, like yelling true. and fighting and like crazy shit. <laughs> yeah. So you can tune it out. For sure. Like I I have that ability to like filter chaos and just like exist. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that is. Someone tell us context if anyone wants to like psychoanalyze us. I was an only child until age 13, so that was a lot of my childhood and then I had a brother born at age 13 and then Jordan was like one of four. And I feel like your brother wasn't even like a very crazy kid. Oh, he was. He definitely was. He yeah? was dramatic from day one. Oh, my God. Okay. Like, he would like terrible twos was like oh, the beginning of really? it. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, and then I was wrong. But yes, my hands would just get like clammy thinking about playing these video games. I'm not even kidding. I can put myself in that situation and just feel stressed already. I mean, I know what you mean, because as you're talking, because my ex has like a Xbox or and when I would go to his house, we I started getting into playing Tekken, which is this like fighting game. <laughs> Dude, I. Okay. I would get so into it. I was I was really good. I didn't know how to play that well, but I just went crazy. I literally effed up my my thumb <laughs> for like a year because I was so aggressive <laughs> with like how I used the controller. Yeah. Every time I would get so into it, my hands would start slowly like lifting up. I didn't even notice. Like I'm I'm not kidding you. I played like this. Like I legitimately my hands were like lifting up. I'm like moving around like this. I like don't realize I'm like over here to the left, like nearly about to hit people's faces. I did not realize I was doing it, but like I just moved everywhere to like get the because I was like, you have to battle till the other guy dies. And it's like, yeah, it's like aggressive where you'll get like pummeled to death. And so I'm just like doing all these buttons, like crazy fury hands. <laughs> no joke. Like I rod my thumb and then my That's like so funny. the base of my like, what do you, what do you call this little padding? I don't even know. The padding where like your like palm is and thumb. Like yeah. even now, I like couldn't put pressure on my on my my, my body weight on it because I really messed it up on one intense weekend of Tekken. I'm just saying. That's so funny. I get it. I can't like it. There is like an energy of like, <laughs> yeah, but I don't like that energy. So like, I don't want to put myself in that situation. Mm, yeah. So if any of my friends are listening to this, the friends that are in Madrid, I do not want to play Mario Kart. Thank you. <laughs> Find a better game. What was that game you made us play during COVID? It was like me, you and Jesse. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, I loved that game. It was when I was, I had COVID. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, playing online with me. It was kind of like, sorry, but not sorry. Yeah. Oh, wait, game called sorry, but not. <laughs> sorry, but not. <laughs> wait, that could be a funny game. Like, you have to, like, come up with things that you're like, sorry, but not. And then someone comes up with the best one. Ludo. It's called Ludo. Oh, okay. It's a good game. If you haven't played it, guys, play it. It's fun. Oh, another like little thing that I was thinking about that you said yesterday or the day before. Mm-hmm. I like was like, ooh, nice tip. And then also I was like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about this. Okay. You told me that apparently, I didn't know this, but like you should wear red if you want to manipulate men. Because <laughs> apparently, apparently. I did not say it like that, guys. I did well, not how say, did it like say it like that. I just said, I said, well, I didn't say that. But <laughs> yeah. I said, I said that men find women more attractive when they're wearing red. So, obviously, you're going to be nicer to people you're attracted to. So, if you want to get on a guy's good side, maybe wear red. That's what I said. She may, she may or may not have said, like, if you want to manipulate a man. But he's fine. Yes. She may have slotted that in with so I said all red the males. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. So, it's funny because I was like, oh, like, how funny that that's probably true. But then I was like, oh, how do I feel about, like, manipulating men? I don't know if I can get on board with that like i hate that we have to like manipulate men or i hate that we have to like have these like ooh, if you want to like charm the guy you gotta like trick him by being this is manipulation always a bad thing no but sometimes it's annoying that we have to exactly so there you have it sounds like a negative word i know it does right but like is it i mean this is like probably i don't know what's the definition psychology we need to know if manipulating is always a negative or if there's if it's like is that unethical is what i mean to ask I like that. That's a good that's a good poll. Write that down for a poll. Yeah. Okay. Cause I guess, yeah, it's I guess it's like manipulating is obviously like controlling. That's like controlling could be like the positive of it, influencing, but then like mm-hmm. oh I guess I don't know. Deceit is like lying. Yeah, deceit would be a bad way, right? That's like being de- is well, I mean, is manipulating being deceitful? So in one of the definitions of manipulate, it says like as like a in a sentence, you know, if you use it in a sentence, it says like the masses were deceived and manipulated. So, like, in that respect, it could be. It depends, on, I guess, the motive of, like, the what you're manipulating. Like, if you're manipulating to be like, ooh, you like your broccoli, <laughs> then it's like, you need to do this. This could be good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, manipulate inherently sounds negative, though. It's funny. It's like one of those words that doesn't sound like. And then it also has yeah. man in it. You know, not shocking, not surprising. It says manipulate. Man, manipulate. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. I like men. Oh I do. I love men. I'm a fan. So no hating on men. Mm-mm. Me too. Wait, so to wrap that up, are you going to wear red then around men or no? Well, honey bunny, I, my nails are red. So when you have <laughs> ulterior motives. Yeah. When I, You know what? When I want to like feel really sexy and when I want to... Like, I think I told you this, but sometimes when I want to feel like a bit powerful or I want to just like have a little bit of like like a super feminine like pop, I love to wear red lips. I love to have like a yeah, like a my red lip on. Honestly, this is obviously going to be incorrect, but I feel like I can never find my shade of red. No, it's very hard. I feel like my shade is slightly orange, but it's so hard to find it. I was just thinking like, wouldn't it be crazy or cool if like. They had just like color stores and like you just go to the shop and it would be like blue shop. Honestly, that's my dream. Right. And you could just like and they were like lined up and you could just go and like pick all styles. But like in the color. Yes. And in different tones. Isn't it super annoying when you can't find certain things in the color you're looking for? Like this shade of the color you're like, because it just depends on what's in that season. Yeah. It's so annoying sometimes. I'm like, I wish I could just request this in this color that I'm looking for. Like, I love this design. Just put it in a different color. Dude, maybe in the future, that's going to be like the future, like AI, like some crazy thing where they can like recreate designs or just everything's going to be on demand and nothing's going to be like made to order. Yeah. Everything's going to be made to order. Mm, so you're like, okay, need this in this color. It's more, it's more eco-friendly if they're all just making stuff for the masses. For sure. Obviously, it'd be more expensive, but. And then you'd have like the perfect shade that you love. Like you're like, I love exactly. Rouge number 65626. Please make it in this color. Yes. I've been looking for a pale ashy blue color of a peacoat or trench coat oh, sorry gorgeous we saw one didn't we yes and then 
now I regret it every single day so... that I didn't ever get it. So yeah, I'm still looking for that color again. That was dumb of you. Dumb. Very dumb. That was in Mango, so go back. It's not there. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, maybe it's out. Maybe the color's gone. It's gone. It's not in this season, so... Hummer. Ooh, this actually makes me think of something my roommate said, because I was, I was saying how like I'm looking for a chair for my room, and mm-hmm. I was looking for... I had looked at this one, and then I like you know, left it for a couple of days. I went back to it. I saw it. I was like, still there. I was like, okay, cool. Like, maybe I'll order it. Then I just had like extreme doubt and I kept overthinking it too much. Mm-hmm. And so I like for a half hour, I opened like 10 other tabs of different types of couches. Mm-hmm. I go back. It's gone. I was like, no. no. She was like, the last time you ever just like made an instant decision because you were like, I have to have this. Were you wrong? And I was like, no. And she was like, see, you have to trust your instinct. Like your first instinct was to get it and you like doubted yourself and like instead now it's gone every time you've actually made like a very quick decision you're never disappointed i was like yo okay hey so moral of the story is trust your gut trust your instinct and that's yeah what i'm trying to learn actually yeah i love that me too i know it's it's my lesson like i i have a good intuition and more and more over time i question it like i think yes well what if it's like what if it's not my intuition though but yeah, I read this thing the other day and it was saying like a lot of people lose their intuition over time. I don't think they lose it. I think they... Sorry, they don't listen to it. Yes. And then they start to doubt themselves more. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, I think so. And that's bad. And I definitely do doubt my intuition a lot of times. And then I'm like, oh my God. And then you missed out. It's so funny. You know, when you, you know how like a lot of times like when people are in relationships and they're like, oh, something's off. Yeah. And you just know something's off. Yeah. But you can't really like come up with the reasons why. And you're like, okay, it must be me. But then later, like, shows that you were right. And it's like, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Like, why was I doubting myself? Yeah. It's that. But remember when I told you the other day, or maybe, did I tell you this? So tell me if I've said this on the podcast, because I think I have, where, like, I heard this thing of how you can tell what it is. Yes. If it's fear, it's in your chest. If it's intuition, it's in your belly. Mm-hmm. Your gut. That's why they say trust your gut, because it's your belly. Yeah. Well, for, like, yeah, for real. And then your head was, I think it was, like overthinking or something wait what is fear in your heart fears in your chest or is it like chest pain no it doesn't have to be chest pain it's like it could be anxiety okay. so like so that's like anxiety that's when you're like oh f- like that's you're fearing something yeah when you can't breathe when you feel stuff. it in your gut when you're stuck in your stomach it's just like you just know okay yeah i agree i would agree with that and then i'll come back to you on the head one because i always forget this one okay do you want me to say another one of mine in mm-hmm. okay so it's kind of the last thing i have obviously you know, I'm in my 30s and I'm going through stuff. I obviously didn't think I would be where I am when I was like 18. Like I think mm-hmm. when I was like an 18 year old, I just did not imagine to be probably single, out of a relationship, not married, not having children, like not, you know, as maybe far as I would have liked to be as successful mm-hmm. as I would have sort of imagined by 30. And so I actually came across this concept or sort of this like theory the other day uh, looking at an article and I'll, I'll share the article later and we can share it on, on like Instagram. Um, but it's this idea of second adolescence. So in recent years, this been, there's been this growing recognition of this sort of phenomenon called the second adolescence experience, often by people in their 30s. So the idea is it's kind of like Like in your 20s, there's this expectation or this acceptance of like, okay, cool. In your 20s, like you don't have as much money and you kind of are like exploring relationships and, you know, like, oh, you have like an entry level job. And like there's just like these kind of things that it's like, oh, it's fine and whatever. But when you're in your 30s, there's this expectation of, you know, like you hit certain significant periods in your life and you have these professional successes and, you know, you're maybe financially more secure. And I feel like a lot of people in their 30s now, and that's what this kind of, that's what this theory is saying, is that it's very similar to like this turbulence of our teenage years, kind of second round. So because it's like marked by a lot of significant personal and professional transitions, a lot of self-discovery and sort of this sense of like questioning one's identity and direction. I feel like a lot of people are going through this. Wait, but okay, just this, is this like a midlife crisis or no? Or is it not negative? It's not a midlife crisis. That's not what they call it. Well, no, it's. I don't think it's negative. So it's. It talks a lot about like. Okay, because like a midlife crisis is also like when you're like questioning your identity 
somewhere midway through life, you know? I think this is more about like as an adolescent, right? You're starting to like form who you are. You're reinventing yourself. It's like a turbulent time where you're still like developing myself. You're developing your passions, all these different things. So it was talking about how because of lots of things, like whether that feeling like, you know, you're now 30 and you're like, okay, cool, I should be here. But where actually am I? You start to think, should I do a career change? Like, do I really want to do this job I entered in at at like 20 or 21? And now I'm like this far in this career, but I actually am not happy. And I want to like go pursue some like creative industry, you know, or creative arts, some small passion project. Or like, you know, you've been in a relationship for 10 years and get dumped and you have to like step backwards Mm -hmm. a little bit. It's like this kind of like you have to like re- go through this sense of like, who am I and who's my, where's my direction? And so it argues that the pressures of adulthood coupled with a desire for self-exploration leads to this sort of prolonged period of introspection and experimentation. Like this time where we're again, we're kind of like coming into a new, like who who we're going to- Pushing limits and boundaries or what? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not negative. I think it leads to something fulfilling. Yeah. You reassess again, like your long held dreams. I feel like this is like a rebrand of a midlife crisis. I mean, it might be, but it's called, they're calling it the second adolescence and I like it. Yeah, because it sounds like, because like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a midlife crisis is like the similar where you're like, oh, you're like questioning everything that you're in your life. Like, like oh, what am I doing? That's like, like men will buy like the sports car. Or, you know what I mean? Where they're like, oh my but, God, okay, what am I well, doing? Like, here's where I think it differs. Because I think okay. a midlife crisis isn't like, what's my identity? Who am I? I think it has to do with like the phase of life. You know, at midlife crisis, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, my kids are out now. What do I do? Or, you know, I don't know. Like, it's like, what do we want to do with our future? But I don't think it's like as significant as the way that you, people in their 30s are really, really redefining their identity, how they think, who they are, like based on all this stuff. And then they, mm-hmm. they, they have this like 10 years of being 10 or 12, I guess, if you, yeah, 12 years, 18 of like being an adult and like really having like, you know, momentum and then setbacks and then all these like knock on effects and then having to like, there's this concept called swerve. I won't get into it today. I'll talk about it next week, but Uh having to like pivot and all these things. And sometimes you actually literally end up at your thirties, like completely backwards. Maybe you had to like move into your parents' house again. And you're like back in this stage of like, what, uh, like, what did I really want when I was 18? And like, who do I want to be? And I just like followed this path. I think it's more significant in identity I think when you have a midlife crisis, you aren't going to just like some like all out of all of a sudden become this new person. You might try to like find activities that make you feel alive and maybe make you feel mm-hmm. like your youth. I think it has a lot to do with nostalgia, especially for midlife crisis, like just tapping into your younger self, like the fear of now looking ahead at like the la- like latter half of your life. Like you're getting older. Yeah. But I think yeah. with this second adolescence, it's like we haven't actually like hit where we want to be yet. And you might have hit at 50, like you might have the money, you might have the car because you can buy it, right? That's the, there's a difference being mm-hmm. versus like you've been knocked backwards yeah. and now you have to recreate like what you genuinely, genuinely want to do and how you want to live your path and sort of undo like the period where you th- tried to be an adult and you either failed or fucked mm-hmm. up or whatever. And there's actually this really, really cool little conversation around like micro failures that I really loved. Mm-hmm. What was it? Basically, it's like embracing these micro failures as like, because in everything we do, whether that's like, oh, I tried this thing and it didn't work out. I tried this business. I failed. I tried this relationship. It failed. There's all these like little things we do every day or we should do if you aren't doing them. Then then maybe you're holding yourself back. But actually is like something that encourages and encourages experimentation but encourages innovation in yourself and in innovation in general and so by by sort of like embracing micro failures it helps you to have like a better understanding of yourself and and sort of see it instead of like setbacks which is kind of what this all is about like places you didn't expect to land and you use those to sort of create opportunity and and learn from them and apply those into future you know into further growth and so I feel like in combination, it's like, well, I at least feel like I'm in this second adolescence for sure, where I'm like a teen that's just like, oh, I feel like I just got my period. And now I'm just like, what the fuck is this? And like, I have pimples and like, what the fuck? And you know what I mean? like, it's just all these things. It's, oh, yeah. 
so you're reflecting on your like identity again or what yeah okay assessing what i've learned but also being like oof okay it's like again like a growing pain like your grow like growth spurt yeah yeah true you know which you only experience and so do you see these things as like micro failures is that where you're tying this in absolutely <laughs> absolutely i mean some of them are macro failures but <laughs> no i don't think so i think so i mean i i don't think you've had any macro failures i lost a lot of years I can't predict the future, so I'm not going to like say I'm not going to go as far as to say I ruined my future. You know, that's that's silly. Nah. But but do I think like it was probably a bigger, bigger failure that I wish like I didn't learn? Yes. But uh, well, no, I wish I did not learn it. I just think I would have wished learned it sooner. And also but I still see it as like an opportunity to really take that failure and to be like, how am I not going to fail next time? To see my mom and my dad. I don't look at their relationship as a failure. Like they were married for 22 years. They had six kids. I get it. Exactly. I would feel like a failure. And I know my mom probably felt like it was a failure, probably at some point. Like, but in like the longevity of it, I'm like, okay, there was still something like really good out of it. So there, there is like, it's almost like, again, this theory of the power of now is if you really are present, it's okay. Exactly. And that's why but it's hard. I think people feel like failures in those situations. Like, okay, so I would find peace with like a divorce in the case of like me really. Would you? Yes. If I knew that I did all I could, I have the peace of like, I didn't, I was being true to myself. I wasn't like living with like this resentment towards this other person. Cause like that's to me, that's a waste of time. Living in like these negative spaces and negative emotions, to me, that's a waste of time. Yeah. Life is too short. Like that's like my thing in general. Like I can't be mad at my friends that long. I'll start to like marinate in the issue, but then I'll be like direct with them and be like, I'm annoyed at this. It's such a waste of time. If I was in a relationship and I felt like I had wasted time because I wasn't acting how I really truly felt, that's when I would feel like, okay, it was a failure. Like there's nothing, like I said, like there's nothing you can do to control another person and how they're going to act towards you. So like, what can you do if a relationship is not working on the other side of it? You know what I mean? If you know like, oh, I don't love this person anymore. I don't know what I should do. Like that's like, that's, that's how you feel. Like what can you do? Like what would you do to make yourself fall in love with someone again? Like that's not a failure if you like, if it's just you grow apart, you know what I mean? So it's like live, letting things live their course, but not like holding on too long would not be a failure to me. That's fair. I mean, I just Googled again, just so you know. I what? was like, what does failure mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's either like a lack of success or yes. neglecting or omitting of expected or required actions. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, that's interesting because I guess it's what you asked me was the right question, which is like, what do you deem like a success? Mm-hmm. Did you ask that? Yeah, I did in the beginning. Yeah. I think that's right because I guess success could be success short term. Yeah. I guess what it is is like maybe it feels like a failure. Obviously, there there are there are things that can fail. Like if you if you look at it that way, like then nothing is a failure technically. But I guess if you I suppose it's a failure if for you success means marriage for life. Like if, yeah, exactly. if you believe that like you would you would both work on it and you would always stay connected mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, time doesn't help and you guys drift apart mm-hmm. then that to me is a failure because that was like the measurement your kpi yeah, of exactly. your own kind of success measurement but i guess like if you were i don't know the more mature person or the monks of the world who can look at it as like it's just and en- it ended mm-hmm. like we had the success and it ran its success course and then you had to set a new target and maybe it's just not the target you thought it would be mm-hmm. you had to like iterate that could be okay and you can find peace with that. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's just, like I said, I, I feel like failure could not be a word. You could consider anything not a failure if you're like, well. Yeah, I feel like the KPIs in a relationship should be the emotions you want to feel being in a relationship. Like if you're like, oh, I want to be in a relationship because I want to feel protected. I want to feel like respect. I want to feel uh like whatever you want to feel like, towards the other person as well. Um, I don't know awe of this person i want to feel whatever inspired like those should be the for me those should be the kpis of a relationship like did i continue to feel this way throughout the course of the relationship like am i feeling my best self but if you're like oh at this point we had a rocky point but then we got through it and we and now we're feeling all these positive emotions again as a couple like then it's like okay then you got through these hard times right but it's like if you're like oh i spent five years trying to get back to those positive emotions when I should have probably called it quits at two years or three years or whatever you or like however long you feel a certain way a successful relationship of start to death is very hard 
not saying it's impossible of course not and there's like i would hope that's like all of our outcome but it's like i mean yeah i guess i don't know how many relationships can be from start till death of course i would hope that's how they end up but like if you think about it there's only gonna be one person that fits that so like if you were from 18 you meet someone you're like oh this could be the one and you're like oh at age 25 you're like oh maybe not i think that's why i have a belief in marriage like i think because if i don't know my conflict here is like i totally get sometimes genuinely like if you're like high school sweethearts and you fall in love and you like Mm -hmm. from like 12 to 40 you know that that's a really long relationship but chances are like what you formed your bond on and then how you like grew through life, you might genuinely be different people by the, the time you truly know who you are. Like by the time you've learned enough about the world to decide who you want to be in it. Yes. Now, I, I can understand that. I guess I have like a very strong belief in marriage. And I've seen a lot of instances where like people have like, I don't know, like especially married people who've been together for many years. They've talked about like, oof, that was like not not like a rough one year period, not a five. That was like a rough 10 year period. But and then, then they end up you know, committing, committing to like each other, committing to not giving up 10 years later when they're in like a different space. They're like in love, happier than they've ever been. Like they overcome those things that a lot of people in our generation would not have withstood and tend to be like, well, I don't like this thing or I don't like that thing. So like, if you don't do this, then I'm gone. I feel like there's just like a lack of ability to I don't want to say withstand because I don't think like if you're genuinely so unhappy, like that's not good to your mental health again this is so like like a tug of war in my head Mm -hmm. but I do think we just don't know how to withstand like challenging periods of life like sometimes it's just fucking hard like sometimes you go through periods where you're like I don't know you have like tons of kids are running around and you're it's just such a different life that you live that it's really hard to connect the same way but like if you work at it and if you give it enough time potentially it could be like the most blissful thing and the fact that you committed to each other and you withstood difficulty could be really beautiful. Yeah, of course. And I totally agree with you. I just don't know what these challenges these people have gone through. So I can't really comment on these specific people who have been through 10 years of hard times. Like I've not been married and I've not gone through 10 years of hard times with someone. So I don't know what like their differences were or what their challenges were. You know what I mean? Mm. So I don't know how to properly comment on that. But I do believe that people should be able to work through things what's what's the degree though do you think because some of the theories and like things that we brought up for instance how to you know assess someone's effort right Uh like we're not necessarily like putting it on the lens of like a a married person yeah there's so many conflicting messages about you should always feel good and you should you know like assess how you feel and you shouldn't accept less and you shouldn't all these things which like are true in their essence but then they almost negate like difficult times or like someone going, I don't know, I guess it's like if it was me, I would just say like for me, I would be able to withstand difficult external times, like things that are difficult from that are external to me and my person. Or if it's not an external thing and if it's a thing between me and my partner, then it would be just something like as long as like we didn't lose respect for one another. Mm. I feel like I would be able to withstand more as long as like it's, I'm not feeling disrespected. I've gone through challenges, obviously, in relationships, and I never felt disrespected when I was going through challenges in a relationship. So, like, I think that to me, that was key to, like, be like, oh, I can talk this out as long as I feel like we're in it together, you know? For me, not being married, that would be my criteria, but I have not been married, so I don't know what what these people are referring to. That's actually a really good way to think about it, because if you're disrespected and either, like, the person doesn't do anything or continues to, to disrespect you, it's almost like not honoring i guess like the vows that you say you know yeah but if you like i guess i guess you could think about it like you know lulls in i don't know having sex or lulls in like connecting feeling disconnected or maybe a feeling a little bland like just a bit boring yeah maybe those are things that like you can work on but when someone disrespects you or someone cheats on you or like those are harder things to look at the person in the same way mm-hmm. and love them. I mean, some people still overcome cheating and like yeah. especially in marriages, like mm-hmm. they don't see it as like a an immediate point of exit. It's like, OK, yeah, because we're married now we have to like come to the table. Yeah. But respect should be there regardless. Yeah. And if you lose respect, then it's sort of like you lose a really in- integral part of what keeps a relationship alive. Oh, 100 percent. Oof, we got into some webs of like deep 
things we didn't think we would talk about today. I know these a lot of these were not even on the list. So no, like goes to show that we are just vibing. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's funny is like if you guys want to know what we do when we genuinely talk on the phone, sometimes sometimes it's like, eh, you know, but a lot of times we just start going through these threads. And that's why we started this podcast. So boom. Yeah, we love to talk. We yeah, should we're wrap about- it up. This was a great episode. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of thoughts, a lot of feedback we'd love to hear from you guys. So yes. we're going to kind of loop them back around on socials because I'm really curious to get your guys' opinions. I think just for you guys, for clarity, everything we're talking about is like us exploring our thoughts. Yes. It doesn't mean that everything we say always is like our definitive stance for sure on things. No. So like take what we say as like you going through our thought process of like us working mm-hmm. through our own thoughts. Some yes. of which we stand by, some of which we're like we're exploring. No, so yeah, I mean, if you if you have like a, differing thoughts or you have another take, you know, if you're like, oh, I feel like you guys were wrong on this. Yeah, like like I'd love to hear your guys's take. Yes. So please, please follow us on our socials. Please subscribe if you like what you hear. We really are enjoying speaking to you guys, and we wanna we want more feedback from our community who are listening what you guys are liking, what you're thinking about some of the episodes, what are your favorite topics. DM us too. If you like something you heard, don't be afraid to drop a comment on the actual podcast just to say what you're enjoying. And I think that's a wrap for episode 16 of Pretty Sure Never Clueless. See you later. See you next week. Bye. Bye.